Um, if you have your Bibles today, I want you to go with me. We're going to talk about the power that works within us. Um, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 is where we're going to start out. And uh, I'll just run up here to, to verse number one to start out. I said, now, Paul, now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Uh, one passage says, I'm begging you. I, Paul, myself right now am begging you, and it actually translates, at, by the mercies and gentleness of Christ, who in, in, the, who in presence am base among you, but being absent, I am bold toward you. But I beseech you, I am begging you, that I may not be bold when I am present with that, with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. And we're going to stop right there for just a second. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Walk, we don't walk by the flesh, but we walk by the Spirit. And how we know that is how we view our conversations. We need to look at our conversations and see what we're saying. Because how what we're saying and what we study about ourselves is what we begin to know who we really are. Do we walk according to the Spirit or do we walk according to the flesh? Folks, the only way you can know that is to study yourself. Not studying somebody else. Not comparing yourself to someone else. Not having a standard within you and expecting everybody to live by your standard. It is, it is studying yourself. Uh, uh, Lester Summerall said the greatest thing, uh, the greatest avenue to, to your, your um, success in this Christian walk is to know God, know yourself, and know your fellow man. You will know your fellow man better when you know yourself. And, and you cannot grow in the Lord. You take those three things and you, you, you set them across a line and you begin to know the Lord and know the Lord and know the Lord and you know Him better than you've ever known Him before. You will hit a ceiling and you won't be able to know Him anymore if these other two areas of your life stay where they're at. The more you get to know yourself, the more you get to know God. The more you get to know your fellow man, the more you get to know yourself, the more you get to know God. And those things, those areas of knowledge in your life have to come working together in unison. There has to be a, um, a rhythm in that in your life. A lot of people come to a roadblock in knowing God and understanding who He is and understanding Scripture. And the reason they come to a roadblock is not that they're ignorant, not that they're stupid, not that God's Word is too high for them, not that they're unable. This is God's communication to you 
It's his, the fathers talking to his children. He said, no good thing will I withhold from those that walk uprightly before me. And you walk uprightly before him because you are now in Christ. And Christ is always upright before him. And you're now hidden in Christ, so you're always upright before him. So he is not withholding any good thing from you or from me. We stop ourselves because we refuse to look at ourselves and our fellow man. When we begin to understand ourselves, we begin to understand our fellow man. I'm talking about when we really sit down and observe why we do what we do, why we say what we say. There's where the healing starts taking place. There's where the cleansing starts taking place. This is not self-help humanism. This is, this is lining your life up, your thought process up, your words up, because that's how that's it. you line your life up with the Word of God. As you line your life up with the Word of God, you're lining your mind up, your mind, will, and emotions up with the Word of God. And out of the abundance of your heart, which is the, the center of your thinking, your mind, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will begin to speak. When words come out that are hurtful, when words come out, that are not, they're, they're, they're not life, but they're speaking death. When those kind of words come out, they come out because that's what's in. It can't come out if it's not in. And when it comes out of our mouth, that's the abundance. And it's when pressure comes that we get to find out what, that's why God allows pressure to come. That's why he allows the potter's house experience. That's why he allows the wet water walking experience. That's why he allows the fiery furnace experience. That's why he allows the lion's den experience. Does God create that experience? No, but he allows it. Why does he allow that? Now, I just don't believe that, Pastor. If all the other stuff you're preaching is true, then he wouldn't allow that. He allows that so we find out who we are. He already knows who we are. We're not hiding anything from him. You are naked and bare before him. He knows you inside and out every thought he knows. He's trying to get you to see it. Because if you can see it, and if he can show it to you in those things, and the way you see it is stuff comes out of your mouth when you're under pressure. Now, what comes out of my mouth when I'm under pressure? Is that the word of God, or is that the flesh? It's not the devil. The Flip Wilson, you know, the devil made me do it. It's not the devil the devil didn't make you do anything. You're now more than a conqueror through Christ who gives you strength. Amen. So it's not the devil. We've, we're allowing these thoughts 
we're allowing our mind to take off, and, and it depends upon whether we're living in the spirit or the flesh. And we have the power to live in either way. We're Christians. Sinners do not have this choice. But we who are born again have the choice to live either in the spirit or in the flesh. All right? And, and, and as a pastor, you know, I have my own flesh to deal with. And then from time to time, I get to deal with others' flesh. And sometimes their flesh, I can't help them with too much except point them in the same direction that I'm working because I got my own to deal with. Amen? So, so what we're looking at here is Paul is, is begging us to take a look at this and observe because it's when we begin to see ourselves, we realize our frailty. We begin to realize our weaknesses. We begin to realize why we do the same, do the things that we do. Harboring a hurt, not getting over an offense, not 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 feeling like the Charlie Brown that everything's always everybody's always picking on me. It's always happening to me. God is raising you up. The footsteps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. You're walking through the things that you walk through so that you can mature and be prepared for your hour when, when you receive the promise that God has given you. And in that process, um, there's preparation in it. And the preparation is part of it is us looking at ourselves. The self-awareness that, 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 that what, are, what, are, what are we thinking? What, how did I come up with that coming out of my mouth? I just threw up all over Facebook. I just threw up all over Twitter. I just threw up all over, you know, the lady at the register. I just threw up all over one of my family members. And, and is that really the way Christ would have responded? Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I'm not looking for any condemnation in this. There is no condemnation. Those are in Christ Jesus. But when we see ourselves do something like that, we begin to realize that, wait a second, there's something on the inside of me that's coming out, and I got to deal with that. When I learn to deal with that, and I realize why I, I did that, and, and how, that, how that became in me to come out of me, I begin to have more mercy on everyone else around me because we are all subject to the same thing. When we don't self-study, that's why you can't get to know God any further. Because when you don't self-study, when you don't look at yourself and, and realize you can never have mercy on anyone else. Because in those hours of seeing yourself, you receive mercy. You receive grace. You receive opportunities to repent, to believe God, and to repent, to believe God, and to repent, to believe God, and to repent. Because that stuff that comes out of us every single time is coming out of us because of a self-effort and not receiving what he has for us to replace whatever took place in our life that, that hurt us, that offended us, that, 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 that did that to us, whatever, whatever that may be. Whatever wrong, God can make it right, 
and then we see how God can make it right, God making it right in our lives, but we can't see it right until we, we can't see him doing it and making it right until we see that it's wrong. As long as we continue to justify our actions operating in the flesh, there's never change. There can never be repentance. This is the, 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 I mean, the epidemic we've got today. And I, the more you read, the more you study, and the more you look at this narcissistic society. I was talking to a pastor the other day, and I asked him, and I said, can a narcissist be born again? And we sat and looked at one another for a minute. We talked it out. It's the most dangerous. It's the most dangerous psychosis that we can find ourselves in is a narcissism. Because a narcissist doesn't believe they're wrong. And if you can never believe you're wrong, you can never believe you need to repent. If you can never believe you need to repent, you can never be saved. Ooh. Oh, my. Narcissistic behavior is totally self-absorption. Completely thinking of only me, 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 me. It's always about me. Man, that's dangerous. That's a dangerous place to go and to begin to practice. Amen. So as we're looking at this, Paul's beseeching, he's begging us that we would not walk according to the flesh, and that is where it starts. Walking according to the flesh, looking at people by the flesh. When someone is hurting, flesh will always manifest. Always, when someone's hurting. And it may not look like to you that it's coming out of flesh. It might look like to you that it's just laziness. It's just they don't care. They don't, okay, so where is, where, is, where did laziness come from? Where did the not caring come from? Where did that idea come See, as Christians, I'm going to tell you here in just a minute, you have something on the inside of you. You have the great counselor on the inside of you. When someone's hurting, you have the ability to look past the flesh that you're seeing and be able to see and know that there's something else going on here. Because you know you've been down a path where you fell short in a lot of areas of your day-to-day -day life simply because you held on to an offense or a hurt and you're seeing someone else, they're doing the same thing, and you know the restoration of Christ that took place in, in you that caused you to have the energy to, to get up and move, the energy to, to act upon, and, and the dynamo on the inside of you took over because you know to not look at the flesh any longer, but to look at the Spirit. Oh, this is pretty deep today. But I'm going to tell you, it's why we've got Christians that are hateful. It's why we got Christians that are mean. It's why we got people that don't want to come to church because of mean people. Hateful people. Spiteful people. People that just say whatever they want to off the top of their head. So watch this. This is what this is talking about. 
For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. We're always going to be on this earth walking in the flesh. But there's a difference between walking in the flesh and walking after the flesh. This body's all you got. It's your suit for here on earth, and it's flesh. And we got to walk in it. Amen? But we don't have to walk after it. In other words, we don't have to... Walking after something means to follow, right? He said we walk in the flesh, but we don't follow the flesh. That's what he's saying. We don't follow our feelings. We don't follow what we see in the flesh. We look for something deeper. Because deeper is what's going to help. Not following and judging after the flesh. Hasn't the church done enough of that? Hasn't the church done enough damage already? Looking at people after the flesh. And then we get in this goofy idea that, well, if Jesus came today, I think he'd come in, you know, a, a plaid shirt, a pair of jeans, frayed at the bottom, and they'd have flip-flops on, and nobody would ever recognize Jesus coming in the door. I can tell you right now, if Jesus came in the door, everybody would recognize Jesus. The religious would recognize Jesus, the sinner would recognize Jesus, and the righteous would recognize Jesus. I got news for you. Amen? Amen. Because he's the son of God, and he's the light of the world, and he's the life of life. And, he, and, he, and he, him coming in the door would, would transform everything. Those who are religious would, would, might be angry. Those who are sinners would fall to their knees, and those that are righteous would, could, could not be more grateful. I'm telling you, you'd know the difference. So watch this. We don't follow after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly or carnival. We don't eat carnal is to be a flesh eater. The weapons of our war do not come from feeding on flesh. But mighty, they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now let me ask you something. Strongholds. are attached to the flesh. When the mind, will, and emotions, the soul, is looking after the flesh, it gets tied up in fleshly strongholds. Wow. Wow. I can tell you stories that don't sound right to you. I can tell you stories that don't sound right to you. But it's the difference between living in the flesh and living in the spirit. And it messes our theology up. It just messes our whole theology up. I know a man that walked after the flesh, got addicted to alcohol in the flesh for over 30 years. Every day drank a whole bottle of alcohol starting at 10 o'clock at night till 2 in the morning. Every day for 30 years. Every day. He planned his day around that. He did it at that time so if the grandchildren came over, they would be in bed asleep by the time he started drinking. And he'd be done drinking before the grandchildren ever got up. 
Every day he got up around 11 in the morning to 12 at noon. Every day for 30 years. Every day when he got up, he started drinking wine and he drank beer and wine and beer throughout the day. And then at the end of the day at 10, he started on his hard stuff for four hours. He drank it slow. Four hours drinking, that's slow drinking. But he stayed up at night alone by himself drinking that. He tried to go to church, and the first thing he would hear is judgment. And he'd get up out of church services and walk out because of the judgment. Because he was living underneath something he didn't want to live underneath. And then one time, one, one day, God set him absolutely free. He was heading toward uh, getting helped. He was going to go and get dried out. He had talked to a doctor. They were getting ready to admit him, and they were going to dry him out. He called them, or the doctor called him by the middle of the week and said, Hey, where are you at? We've done this over and over again. You're going to have to face this someday. Where are you at? He said, I'm delivered. I don't, ha I don't need alcohol anymore. He said, What do you mean? I don't need it anymore. He said, You can't do this. You can't quit on you. You'll die. You understand, he was at such a level that he would die trying to come out of that on his own. He never had that bondage again till the day he died. Never had it again. You know what's amazing? About a year or so afterwards, an individual called me and said, hey, you need to get a hold of him. Said um, he went out to eat and he drank. And I said, it'll be all right. No, it won't. He can't come off that wagon. I said, no, he'll be all right. Because, see, the Bible says, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. So I waited a while. I didn't want to look like I was looking after him. I got a hold of him, and I said, hey, what's going on? Here's just what messes our theology up, okay? I said, what's going on? And he, and he said, Dean, I've been meaning to contact you. He said, I just want to know if I'm right or wrong. He said, the other day we went out for pizza. He said, and, you know, I've, I've not had a drink in over a year. I said, yeah. He said, I was just thirsty for a cold beer. I said, really? I said, what would you do about that? He said, I ordered a pitcher, and I drank it with my pizza. I said, really? I said, how was that, that night going to bed? He said, slept like a baby. I said, how about the next day? He said, I was just fine. I said, have you had a drink since? He says, no, I just wanted it that day. I said, so how do you feel about that? He says, I don't know what to feel. He says, there's no addiction to it. He said, I just wanted a beer. He said, and it's been, it, it's been almost a month, Dean, since I did that. And I haven't had a beer. I haven't had wine. I haven't had a, a drink since. He says, and I don't know what to think about that because they always told me there's no way you could live like this. I said, that's a man who's been set free. I said, that's a man who's been set free. He lived the rest of his life, and he'd have a drink once in a great while. He'd get thirsty for a beer. He'd have a beer. He'd say, Dean, should I do that? I said, that's not my judge. There's nothing in the Bible that preaches against it. It preaches against anything controlling you. 
See, now it's messing with your theology. And you know what theology it's messing with? Your American theology. We got to get back to getting out of our American theology and let's get back into God theology. Let's get back into what, who God really is. Because the God who can set you free is the God who sets you free in absolution. You're free forever. See, what happened to him to cause him to start drinking? I had counseled. He had talked with me. We had prayed about it. He got set free from what he had, the experience that he had. And when he got set free from the experience that he had, he was set free from the bondage that it put him in. And when he was set free from the bondage he was put in, he was set free not just in his mind, but also in his flesh, and he was free forevermore. I prayed for a lady that, that, was, uh, that smoked cigarettes. Now, I, I'll say let's, it's very good not to do that because it causes cancer. Now, we're sure of that, all right? But you don't go to hell for smoking cigarettes. Nobody goes to hell for smoking cigarettes. Nobody goes to a lesser heaven for smoking cigarettes. <laughs> Let's just make this real clear. They will walk on the streets of gold right beside you, whether you like it or whether you don't. God doesn't want you in bondage to anything. We had a home meeting, and this guy brought his sister. And... Um, she uh, she was there, and God just kept showing me some type of a black bird over her life. It was just something that just wanted to just eat away at her life. And we got done with with this Bible study, and and uh, and we were getting ready to to have some snacks and stuff. And uh, I said, could I pray for you? And she said, well, yeah. I said, well, I see. I said, there's, there's a foul the air over you. Well, later on, I can't smell. I mean, you, can, you could tie a skunk around my neck, and I wouldn't know it. I can't smell. Period. I've had several operations, and they've taken, in those operations, have, they've damaged the smell, and I can't smell. Once in a while, I get a whiff of something, but, but, but it's very, very seldom. So I couldn't smell it, but she thought I could smell the cigarette smoke on her. And that's why I wanted to pray for her, that I was going to, but that wasn't it at all. I couldn't smell I saw, I saw something over her. And, and she said, yes, I'd look. I said, and I, and I rebuked that foul of the air on her, off her, and, and set her free that night, okay? By the power of God, set her free. She was smoking like five, five, five and a half, six packs of cigarettes a day. I mean, she was a fiend. She would wake up in the middle of the night to have a cigarette. She'd go to bed with a cigarette. She'd wake up in the morning for a cigarette. Smoked 
a smoking, a smoke, a smoking machine. Okay, I don't even know how many that is. I don't even know how how much you gotta smoke smoke that much. I don't. I've never smoked, but she smoked a lot all day long. And and her her brother asked her to go out to help her help him with some drywall work and painting at a at a place they had, and. He said, we got there early in the morning, Dean, on a Saturday. He said, around 11, I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I haven't, we haven't taken a break because he didn't want any smoking going on in his house. He says, I'm so sorry we haven't taken a break. Uh, we, should, we should go outside so you can have a cigarette. And she says, I haven't had one since Wednesday. He said, what do you mean you haven't had one I, since? Since that pastor prayed for me. I haven't had a cigarette since. And she didn't smoke for quite a long time. Never had, said, said, said it was a wonderful testimony because she didn't even reach for him. Now, my father smoked, and he said I reached for him for several years after I, God delivered me. I still reached for him once in a while. He said, but she said, but I, I, I'm not even reaching for him. I I'm delivered from them. Well, her girlfriends got together. They wanted to take a, a, a cruise. So they took a singles-type cruise. Uh, I, I don't remember just what all it was, but it was a, I wanted to meet guys, and, and guys wanted to meet girls. So they, they took this cruise, and in the middle of that cruise, there was, a, there was a, a, an attention drawn to come out on deck because there were some guys there, and, and they were interesting, and, and they were nice guys and wanted to meet them, but she got out there, and they were all smoking. And she thought to herself, I will just hold the cigarette. I won't smoke it so I can fit in. And she said, while we were there talking, this is her testimony, while we were there talking, she says, before I knew it, just I reached up and I took a big drag off of one of those cigarettes. And that night I went straight into my addiction like it was the day that God delivered me. Okay? Well, she shouldn't have been here. She shouldn't have done this. She shouldn't have blah, 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 blah. Okay? But see, when we look at the flesh, it always goes blah, 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 blah. You know, the, the, the peanuts, wah, 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 wah. That's where it goes every time we look at the flesh. Because what the problem was and what I have found, if you go right to the prayer, if you go right to the source, go right to it. Because when I had talked to her before she was delivered, and she talked about that, we talked about why did you start smoking? And it was to fit in. Okay? To fit in. That doesn't, that sounds pretty cliche, but here's what actually happened. We exchange the acceptance of Jesus Christ for the acceptance of someone else. And when we do that, now that's what's happened because we put their acceptance at a higher level than Christ's. 
perspective. And in that was a hook. And it got a hold of him. So there's the real source of the problem. If we can take Christ's acceptance and bring it up over the acceptance of others, it keeps us out of bondage. Hello. And it's not until we find that acceptance. And okay, well, where did that, that non-acceptance come from? It could have been by abusive parents. It could have been by abusive teachers. It could have been by a, a, abusive peers. It could have been by an abusive relationship. It could have been abusive uh, grandparents. It could have been all kinds of things that they felt less than or you felt less than, or I felt less than, and by taking hold of that, it became a stronghold in our mind, and we began chasing after the acceptance of others. And then when we grab a hold of the acceptance of others, we have to join in with whatever they were doing, and then it becomes a stronghold. It can happen with alcohol. It can happen with sex. It can happen with uh, uh, group meetings and, and, and things you shouldn't be involved in. It can happen in all kinds of things just to, just to get your acceptance because all of us have and we're born with a need and that need is to be accepted. And when we don't self-study, we think it's something else. And we blame the alcohol, and we blame the cigarette, and we blame this, and we blame that. And then we get into another group of people, and they tell us what we have to repeat is, I am this, and I am that. None of that is true. It is not the alcohol's problem. It's not the devil did it. It's a, we made a clear choice. What's happening? We're repenting. We realize I made a clear choice, and now I have to change my choice. And that might take some transformation. Well, I can tell you right now, it's going to take some transformation. And it's simpler than what we think. We think we have this great big mountain that we have to somehow take over and take on and chip down. And it's not this big mountain of, of tobacco or tobacco addiction. It's not a great big mountain of alcohol addiction. It's not a great big mountain of sex addiction. It's not a great big mountain of, 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 of hatefulness and strife and mean and just all that. It's not a big mountain of, of, of a track record of poor relationships. That is not what you have to overcome. It's not a big mountain of my weight it's not a big mountain of, of all of that or my health. The big mountain is accepting that Jesus accepts me just as I am. And he will make me into a fisher of men. Not me, not the church, not somebody else. I listened to the testimony of a man who had a woman who they called him up and said, we need you to come. That over, over a time, period of time, um, he had struggled with this woman. She was not a very nice woman, not a very kind woman, very str just striving. And she was at the church. And before you know it, there's a falling out. And really, it'd be best if you just went somewhere else. 
down the road, she's laying on a bed, a tumor inside of her, and she's dying, dying of cancer, inoperable. They can't do anything with her. And they called the pastor and had him come. Well, she'd already said enough about the pastor to the family that by the time he showed up, you know, the relationship, she wanted him there. <laughs> but the rest of the family, she'd already talked enough that the rest of the family really didn't want to see him there. So he showed up. The rest of the family is there, and he's feeling very awkward. And when he gets there at her bedside, God begins to speak and says she's holding on to an offense. And it has gotten a hold of her to such a level that it has invited cancer into her life. It's destroying her from the inside out. I said, now if you will talk to her. And he, God revealed to him what the deal was. And he said, I just bent down and whispered in her ear and told her what God had shared with him. She began to cry and began to weep and, and began to release and let it go. God, he prayed for her healing of her heart, and it wasn't long before that woman was off that bed and back to her normal life, and it wasn't, you could sit there and fight that mountain of tumor all you want, you could fight that cancer all day long, speak against it, pray against it, shout against it, plead the blood against it, drive it out, rebuke it, do all you want to do, and do all your treatments, but it ain't going anywhere. Why is it not going anywhere? Because it can't go anywhere. It's being held onto by the hurt that's on the inside of the heart. It's self-destructive. And it's been invited in. Be careful <laughs> what you're holding onto that you're inviting in what's, what's attached to that, that you're invite, inviting in to not just your, your body, but your whole life, your whole world. I'm telling you, repentance, believing and repentance, believing what the Word of God says and trans changing your mind about it and toward it. Did you know just because you believe that you're more than a conqueror and that God has set you free and you are rising above the offenses and that in that you're repenting and you're transforming your mind and you're setting people free left and right. I'm not going to be offended by them, what they did to me any longer. I forgive them. I set them free. I forgive them completely. We are not ever going to deal with this again in my life. If they come and apologize to me again, I'm going to look at it and say, please don't apologize anymore. You were forgiven a long time ago, and I forgive you. You are hidden in Christ with me, I, and I have hidden that thing in Christ. God's taking care of Do you know by doing that, it doesn't change what they have to deal with? It does not set them free of their offense. It sets you free. It releases you 
and it causes you to live the life that you were intended to live. I'm telling you. That's why he says, watch this. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or flesh-eating, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself to the knowledge of God. Ex all that that we were talking about today, gaining acceptance from someone else, putting that thing above Christ. Now watch. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Okay? Here's what happens when we start walking down this road. We really don't have to say everything that's rolling around in our mind. It's really not necessary to fix someone. You can't fix them anyway. You're just going to tell them what you think, and you're telling them what you think according to the flesh that you see, and now you're not walking according to the Spirit. You're walking according to the flesh, and now you're saying something that Christ would not say if Christ was here. And you are here instead of Christ. Now, you might think that, but you have the power to take that thought captive and make the decision to say something else. I think a lot of things that people never get to hear. Pat sometimes, she gets to hear it. How many of you, as a spouse, there's things you can say to your spouse, you ain't going to say those children. You're not going to say to your mom. You're not going to say to your dad. You're not going to say to your aunts and uncles. You're not going to say to the person at the register. Amen? I remember one time at Kroger, I walked in there one day, and I was dressed about like this, but I had a business jacket on. And I had forgotten that I had, when I was in, in Columbus, Ohio, over around by Cincinnati, well, not too far from Cincinnati, a few hours, Cincinnati was, is Kroger's home office over here from Illinois. Their home office is in Cincinnati or Louisville, but Cincinnati's bigger than Louisville. So you trace that back. And, and I went into Kroger one night, and it, it was a bunch of people that I didn't know. Normally that doesn't happen at Kroger because I work there and know a lot of people from there. But that night I didn't. And I forgot Pat and I were out of town, and we needed a shop at Kroger and we had left our Kroger card, and or our Kroger card wouldn't work there. And they signed us up for a Kroger card from Cincinnati. And I walked in there, <laughs> and uh, these kids were talking to one another. They looked like kids. They weren't kids, but they were talking to one another. They weren't paying attention to me. I'm standing there in the register. They're just being really something else. I cleared my throat once or twice. Nothing. Didn't do any good. I'm waiting to get checked in, and they're just talking to one another and just, just really not paying attention to me at all. 
Well, when it came time to hand over the Kroger card, I looked in my wallet and I had my, my Louisville Kroger card or my, my local Kroger card, but I also had my Cincinnati Kroger card. And I thought, you know, just for hoops and giggles here, I'm going to hand them my Cincinnati Kroger card. And I handed that Kroger card, and they looked at that Kroger card, and they looked at me, and they looked at that Kroger card again, and they looked at me again, and said, sir, was your shopping experience, was it good today? And she said, uh, I'm so sorry, is there anything we can do to help you? And they just started going all over, and this other lady looked over at me and looked over at the Lorraine. And she walked over and looked at that card, and then she started going all over me, trying to do whatever they could to help me, because they thought I might be from the home office, just sliding in. Man, the attitude was completely different. I didn't have to say anything. I didn't have to say one word. I'm telling you, before I had my stuff in the grocery bag, there were three registers that were all lined up doing just what they were supposed to do. And they had, because they had no idea who I was. And what I did was I said, thank you. I've enjoyed my experience at Kroger. And, and I just went on. I didn't have to say anything. We don't have to say anything because we're not a representative of anything but the kingdom of God. We represent him. Whatever comes out of our mouth is a representation of Jesus Christ. Whatever comes out of our mouth is a representation of the kingdom of God. And so we need to learn to take those thoughts captive. I, I used to not do that. I used to be a person who just said whatever I, I wanted to say. Hateful, mean, sometimes not very nice at all. But I found out as I studied myself that I was just as weak as the people that I was talking to. I was struggling just like they were. I'm looking for the mercies of God and the grace. So I received that mercy and grace. When I received it, I was able to give it by just keeping my mouth shut. Amen? Maybe even asking if they're having trouble, can I... Will it be all right if I pray for you? Is there anything I can do to help you? You know? Um, I think it's interesting, you know? Uh, I wanted to send the meme out, and I'm closing with this. But it's just this interesting. We've got, th th this comedian was out there, and he was, um, he was at, a, at a grocery store, and he kind of looks a little foreign to the grocery store, and he's just trying to check out. And this woman was wanting to check out, and it was at the self-checkouts. And she evidently felt like that he got in her way. And she turned around, and she just started in. How many of you heard that, seen this meme out there? She just turns around, and she's just screaming at him, and she's yelling at him, and you're people, and who do you think you are? Is there something wrong with you people? You come, you, 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 don't you understand how we do things? I was wanting to check out, and you gotten in my way, and she's just yelling at him and screaming. In the middle of yelling and screaming, he's a comedian. So he's thinking fast on his feet, and he looks at her and says, I'm so sorry. And he acted like, you know, there was something wrong with him. 
Well, she went, oh, my God. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. She grabbed him and hugged him and said, I'm so sorry for talking to you like this. I, I, I'm so sorry for calling you stupid. Because she said, you are you stupid? And, and, and just talked to him. said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Here, let me help you. And said, I just stood there and let her help me. She got my stuff together. She wanted to take me out to my car. So I let her just take me out to the car. And before we left, she says, come here. I'm so sorry for talking to you like that. Come here. Let me just hug you. And she went and hugged him. And while she was hugging him, she got down, he got down in her ear and says, what's wrong with you? You're stupid. <laughs> that wasn't very kind of him either. But how, what, what do you think she felt like after that? I'm telling you, as human beings, we can treat each other better. And we can show the love of Christ. Amen? And we can have compassion on one another because we have that in us. The Bible says there is a treasure hidden inside of us. And it is the compassion of the kingdom of God. We have it. We're capable. We're capable. We have the power. We have that treasure. We have the anointing. We have the power of God to counsel. We have it, and it's in us. Amen? And I'm telling you, people are attracted to that. They want you around when you, when you, when you got that. Amen? They want to be around you. Amen? Amen. All right. All right. Doesn't happen, not by might nor by power, but by his spirit, says the Lord. It's not by might, not by power, but by his spirit, says the Lord. Amen? We start living by the spirit, the spirit's going to start taking over. It's going to be the thing that's going to manifest. And when it manifests people, he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto, unto, unto myself. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for your word. Father, it's an attractive aroma to us. Father, and, and, and its result working in us is an attractive aroma to you. Father, we thank you, God, for your word. Father, we thank you, God, that it, is, it, it works inside of us. We have this treasure hidden in these earthen vessels, these, this flesh. It is in us. And, Father, we have the choice. Father, remind us. Father, bring, us, bring it to, to our memory, Lord, as we are getting ready to say what we feel like we need to say. And, Father, those of us who are learning to take those thoughts captive, help us to realize that every time we do, that, Father, we are opening the, we're closing the door to us. We're opening the door to you. And, Father, let us be attentive to what we hear and what we see. And, Father, bring your word Father, we receive your word coming to life on the inside of us that we have the right word to say. And that, Father, when we're speaking to them, and, Father, that your spirit is moving through us, that, Father, change is taking place. And, Father, you, we are working together with you in the kingdom of God to see change take place in people's lives.